Hello, welcome to your local Imaginarium. I'm host Daniel Williams, along with host Calvin Seymour. Let's get started. Okay, well, uh, let's start, I think, with a quick word about our little format change, you know? Uh, so, over the last couple of weeks... Um, We've been making things up. Yes, of course, making things up. And, well, one of the big issues has been that we kind of have these sections that have been developing, and we want to get to everything, but we run out of time. And one of the main things I want to do is my little my little art section. So uh, it started with me uh, talking with Daniel about possibly changing up when we do it so that I can get in, a, you know, a good five minute kind of plug uh, on, on the stuff that's going on in, in the uh, measure of realism uh, world. So uh, that led to a few little tiny changes. So it may be a little different than the previous three episodes. Uh I definitely, I definitely uh, hope that it uh, will still keep you so enthralled that you come back for episode five. Episode five, the Empire, something, something. <laughs> Let's talk about. Actually, I want to talk about the naming of the last episode because because it, it switched. It was going to be uh, Zombie Apocalypse, but we changed it to to revenge to, of yeah revenge of the dot 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 uh, i don't know how that happened so it was some kind of uh editing uh kerfuffle or something that uh just made that made that happen and it just seemed to work out that way well you know it definitely was a very catchy zombie apocalypse on mars i liked that a lot but you know the way it ended with the uh the revenge of the dot 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 just made a lot of sense. Yeah, right? it just you just said it and it just came out. Uh, and had we had to we had to change it up and make it that way. Okay, and uh, I, I don't know what the episode title will be here. Number four, I'm sure it won't be uh, New Hope or anything like that. We'd have to say that in the episode. So I guess we'll see. Well, maybe maybe episode four, No Hope. You're the episode title master. <laughs> Well, you know, whatever. Okay, so uh, let's get on with this. So I want to start with a topic that uh, I think is, you know, a bit magical in, for people that have imagination and, you know, they really like to employ it. And to me, it's the, the biggest tool in your toolbox, and that is the power of what if. Asking what if when you're faced with a problem, when you're – when you're given a design and, and, and you're trying to free your mind and make it a little extra special, um, you know, if you'll stop a second and ask that all-important, powerful, magical phrase, what if? It, it can ignite things. It can lead, lead you down places you've never even dreamed of um and i kind of uh i kind of have a source for mine i'm a very sentimental guy you know i i once i like something i pretty much always like it and i come back to it and one little comic book a long time ago uh sort of got my attention now I really have tried my best to not mention Conan in every episode, but it's very hard for me. He's obviously one of my favorite characters. 
but this is actually a, a what if comic from Marvel. Uh, it was uh, it was basically uh, Conan versus Captain America, but in modern times. It is what if Conan the Barbarian were stranded in the 20th century, and the cover features Conan uh, with a dirty, hairy stance and a revolver pointed at you. Uh, how they got past the Comic Codes Authority, I don't know. But uh, anyway, that's what if issue 43. Um, now, already I was a huge Captain America fan. It's one of my favorite Marvel characters, so uh, and. You know, I loved Conan too. Even the comics back then, I was into anything sword and sorcery. You know, I'm I'm in the heyday of Dungeons and Dragons. I I, I love anything to, to do with it, really. And here comes this book that kind of just puts them together. Two of my my favorite things, and it just I don't know. It just stuck with me. I love the whole idea of playing with things. So over, I, I really give a lot of. Uh, uh, of credit to this comic for just starting to make me at a very young age, you know, think about what if I loved the title. I, I, I bought a many issues of what if, because I just like that. And, and I think if you look at the current comic world, uh, they, they've gone to these events and it, and, and these reboots, and it's like, they're constantly asking what if it's like, it's like the writers have uh, ADD almost, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Just let, let me ask you the the uh, the question that's on everybody's mind who's listening to this. Our vast array of listeners, who wins? Well, you know, uh, they never they never let anyone really win. But if memory serves me correctly, I think Conan kind of got the better of him. Uh, I, I, I might be wrong there. I need to go back and read it. I ha- it's been so many years, but uh, I, I remember this one particular strike where uh, Conan is thrusting straight forward and he catches Cap's shoulder, his shield arm, and that that's the big difference because you know Cap has a problem holding his his shield up. Uh, you know, so I, I'm sure it wasn't. Conan's first shield wielder to run against, unlike most people in the Marvel universe. Uh, you know, he's had a little skill with that matter. But anyway, just I don't want to dwell on it too much. But that I just love how the single fact that I read that book and it took that term and put it in my head. I just wonder how much that attributed to my love for imagination and my love for playing with things um you know uh if you use what if you use the term what if when you're problem solving you know it it could literally change the world uh if you know if you especially if you have like a field of expertise and you have lots of little things that you don't think apply but if you get in a situation and, you know, nothing else is seeming to fit. I've always felt like sometimes you just need to, like, just start holding up other pieces of the puzzle to that little spot you're trying to fill. And say, you know, it's not a perfect fit, but, you know, this side kind of works. You know, maybe maybe, maybe it'll fit. And uh, It gives you, you know, uh, 
inspiration, if nothing else, if you see sort of how one thing rubs off on another to to begin to move your mind, your your thinking space into a totally different area. So you start looking at things different in different directions. So even if even if the what if the answer to the what if isn't itself an answer, it it sort of moves the whole problem space over to where maybe you can find an answer or a totally unexpected answer and um that's related to the to to the problem in a ways you literally weren't even thinking of before before you did that yeah you know i know there are a lot of people out there that probably get paralyzed you know uh it, i mean I, I know there there are people that are paralyzed in crowds and things and they just they and I, I kind of think that they might just be overpowered by the what if of everything, you know. Interesting. So you're saying like they get, for for example, someone's in a crowd that they are paralyzed by the, the so, having so many choices from the crowd. That what, yeah. What if something's lurking in that shadow over there? Or what if this person's that's staying so close to me is, is trying to, you know, steal my purse? Or, you know, I think... I think that might be a part of their paranoia. Obviously, I'm no psychologist, or but uh, that's. Uh, I, I I can see that, and I can I can actually relate to that because you know, I definitely have that uh, that that I don't know, call it a, a problem or even necessarily that I have what you're describing, but I, I can feel when you walk into any situation, you're like, if you let your mind just wander, you know, is there someone standing in the closet? Uh, <laughs> Have have these people been taken over? Are they being? Are they? Is there someone secretly forcing them to act this way right now? Just that's that's the paranoid, right? Or are they? Uh, is it a fake? Is it a surprise party? You know, what are the, what are the, what would be the clues that we're being led into a surprise party? Like you know, uh, so you walk you go up in the door and dot dot dot. So the uh, the letting your mind wander like that can be a trap, but also you know that's that's part of discipline and and talking about uh you've got to you've got to uh have maturity right about not not going off and just have, let letting your mind wander at all times of the day um even though it's it's fun and and can be enjoyable you eventually you've got to reel it back into reality which in some ways maybe limits to the possibilities or the results that you could actually be achieving Another way is is sort of avoiding that danger of just drifting off into what if, what if, what if forever. Yeah, and you know, and I think uh, I, I think also that what if has a lot to do with like 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 the fear of death. Okay, you know, uh, it's kind of a slightly different question when you're you know what's after you know when I die what happens you know it's the ultimate kind of what if you really don't know I mean people people that could otherwise be successful you know as an entrepreneur or something often won't leave what they're doing or or or, or stick their neck out just because they fear the what if you know and and that, I think that has a lot to do with you know why can evil Knievel jump a stupid canyon on a motorcycle but some people won't get on one you know um and it's you know and you can see i mean kids teenagers have notoriously bad 
judgment when it comes to risk, right? The risk reward. Yeah. They, they'll do crazy stuff. Uh, so you know that in, in later in life, if they happen to survive their crazy years, they uh, will, will not even contemplate doing some of the stuff they did without a second thought when they were younger. That is, uh, it shows that the, that risk tolerance changes over time for people. And of course, it obviously also varies among people. And I think that's actually, I think it's a feature, not a bug, right? That's a good thing that in a, in a population, you've got people who are willing to take risks and you have people who aren't willing to take risks. And it's not like they're afraid. They, they're just, uh, they have a, a rational. Well, certainly, certainly that's true. Like, I mean, people, you know, someone can be very happy with what they're doing. A lot of people sacrifice what they want to do for what they need to do for the betterment of their family. I mean, whatever it is that they have to do. Um, Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of people have difficulty uh, looking at people and being like that person. You you could never know somebody fully, right? So you look at another person and you make a judgment and that itself is not bad itself because we have heuristics and we make judgments all the time. But uh, you got to be self-aware that you you don't know everything about someone else and they're making decisions or they're making guesses and they're not really interested in having a deep analysis of the the what ifs down to figuring out 49 versus 51 they're going to go this direction you know it's just intuition and stuff so i think um that like i say it's a big feature i think of, of populations that there's people of all types of risk takers uh so if if something happens in the world, the conservative, uh, small C conservative risk takers are there to pick up the pieces. And if, you know, there's a chance in a population of a great gain for society's benefits or whatever, they can, there's people taking those risks and, uh, and, and bringing that into reality, um, on both sides. So I, you know, maybe if we could predict the future, we could say this way is the better way you should be doing it this way. But since we can't predict the future, we can't know if there's an asteroid going to run into the Earth in, in the next thousand years and or whether um, there either some disease is going to spread or that there's going to be some discovery that will make gravity under our control if only we could do some crazy math thinking. Really, you know, whatever, whatever it is. That's just me making up things. But the, the point is, I think... I like the fact that that we've got people out there who are trying the crazy while at the same time we have people who are being very safe and I'm 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 happy that we have both of those. All, yeah. all along the spectrum. Um well you know one of the things, you know, when I think about, you know, using the using the, the what if power, so to speak, uh, is that what if happens to you whether you like it or not? Uh, have you ever seen that movie Sliding Doors, where it shows no. this lady this lady misses the door on a like on a tram, and then from that point the movie kind of diverges and shows you what happens on both sides. Had she made it, what would have happened, you know, or because she didn't make it, this happened, and. That one door closing on her seconds before she could get on this tram completely changes her life. And we go, 
you know, what do they call it, chaos theory or whatever. You go through butterfly life. Butterfly effect is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It's just like small changes have very large effects over time. Yeah, which is why, you know, they that, that's what they worry about with time travel. You know, if you did go back in time, you know, uh, anything you did would alter it, right? I mean, cause crazy changes. Yeah. Just so- yes, and, and under, under because time travel is hardly more than possible, so they can make up what they want. But people have explored the idea of, you know, even if you go back in time for just a half a second, the breath you took for that half second causes eventually effect upon effect upon effect, which causes massive changes so in your return everything is different or you don't even exist versus you know and that sort of limited people's storytelling i think so they sort of came up with another dive the 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 where time is resilient or they if you make changes unless it's a very large change or a very important point in history then the uh the the change is sort of taken out like it's 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 eliminated so you can have a an effect over a short amount of time but you can't change history overall uh you know and again because as far as we know, time travel is impossible. That's just ways of storytelling. But uh, the, the first one of those is is the butterfly effect, which is described in chaos and in chaos math theory. That uh, you can you can basically have huge outcomes, differences well, you know, from very small input changes, differences. Not not to stick on this time travel too much, but I've often thought about you know how you've kind of got like. Uh, you know, the speed of light is kind of, you know, until that light enters your eye, did it really happen? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's instantaneous on a local level, but, you know, I always, I've always wondered that because, you know, if, if, if you can go twice the speed of light and light reaches here, you could, you know, I mean, at what point could you, could you ever overtake it? I guess you probably couldn't, but. Uh, as far as everything we know about physics can't go faster than light yeah uh the the, i think the most rational way to get around causality changes is the parallel parallel universe which is uh first introduced to me in old man's war uh, a book and i call old man old man's war which basically was you don't go from like you don't when you take a spaceship and it jumps like you know goes faster than light somewhere else you're not really going faster than light somewhere else you're just changing universes so that you suddenly, by random chance or a large application of energy, you randomly appear, um, randomly, literally randomly appear in this other universe where you wanted to be. So it's technically a different universe. Uh, and it just happens to be the same as your universe in every way, except you happen to appear at this point um, in space where you wanted to be. And it's all hand wavy around that, of course. But so that that is as best as I could I can find that is faster than light, while even sort of sticking to um, physics as we know it. Well, not to get off on a tangent or anything. Not that we yeah, to do no, that. no tangent or anything. Let's just travel back in time and erase that. Right, we can do that. But. Um, no, you know, I just just kind of coming back to it. I just think that if people, you know, if you're just in minor things, if you're going to do something, just take a pause, take a moment, and ask yourself the what ifs of, of what you're dealing with. And maybe, you know, maybe you'll do something better or maybe you'll prevent a bad mistake. Uh, 
you know, maybe you'll think of something entirely different. And so I just think that you should always, you shouldn't just lock yourself in. You should, you know, at least, you know, we've also been talking about the whole, you know, spread work versus deep work sort of thing. Right. And I think, uh, I think that even if you're a deep worker, you need to ask what if, uh, before you kind of go down uh, that path. So anyway, that's all I really had to say about it. Uh, okay. Well, what if we moved on to the next topic? What if? I like that. Uh, what if there was something really cool we could talk about? Hmm. Like the coolest thing you can imagine. I don't know. That would be pretty cool. What what would be the coolest thing you could imagine right now? Uh, how about like? It sounds like a fake product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how about electric eyelashes from the future? <laughs> what are eyelashes? What? are multicolored lights. What if you could wear eyelashes that light up and change color as you move around? Well, that's not a fake product. It's also not a sponsor, so I guess this is more like a fake sponsor that doesn't endorse us in any way or vice versa. Yes, that's right. Real, wearable, light-up eyelashes for your eyes, your eye place, the place above your eyes, the lashes. Make a statement where F dot lashes quote the next level up in wearable electronic and interactive cosmetics is a thing on Kickstarter, which is basically like a fake product. Am I right? Okay, but here's here's the thing: the coolest thing ever. What you know would be, you know, these energy eyelashes. No. No, it wouldn't. It'd be the original Conan Atlantean sword on eBay from the collection of John Milas. Oh, interesting. So I, we were talking, it's weird how we were just talking about Conan and suddenly his sword is on, on eBay. And now twice in the same episode. Next week, we don't speak Conan, I promise. No, not really. I can't can't promise. There's no reason to hold back. We should have like some kind of signal that whenever you speak Conan, we just like we show the signal and just that... Everything is fine. I, I, I don't know about that, man. I, I don't know. Yeah, we could, is it like a war horn or something in Conan, or a shout in Conan, and we could just clip it in every time. The very first time he's mentioned in an episode, we could just we just have that sound off. Just like, you know, maybe maybe a big crom yell or something. I don't know. Crom. Uh, but anyway. I, I know exactly what the clip I'm going to put in. I know exactly what it's going to Okay, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, maybe spread it out through a few episodes. Uh, so, anyway, I was on eBay, as I often am. Uh, I, I like to uh, look in all the little corners of the world where little treasures hit, especially you know paintings uh, and that, th- that sort of thing. But every now and then something like this comes across. Uh, 
you know, it's a, it's, it's really cool. I mean, I, I don't know what it's going for right now, but it was listed for $40,000 as a starting bid. Hmm. And, uh, scene used to actually, uh, you know, detail the scenes it was in and it's, it's from the man himself, you know, his, his collection. So very interesting piece. Uh, it probably means nothing to most of you, but, uh, if it didn't cost so much, I'd be on my wall, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I suspect. <laughs> been on a lot of those walls. Yeah, probably so. That's 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 why it's uh, so cost ineffective. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's that. Uh, what about? Have you heard anything? Uh, I have not heard anything cool. I, absolutely not. Uh, I, I'm I am zero coolness this week. I do. I did watch Wonder Woman. Ah, yeah. Uh, I, huh? I thought that was actually pretty Wonder cool. Woman's cool. Um, I really like it. I think it's by far the best DC dark, whatever DC universe, whatever they're calling that, um, best one they've done yet. And, and I say that, because, and I did like, I did like, I'm not saying it was great or it was super anything, but I did like Batman versus Superman. If like the last thirty minutes of Batman, versus I like the Superman. extended extended one. The extended one was better. I think it had more in it that made things make more sense um so i, I liked it uh, especially the fight was good uh you know I, I had an argument with my wife before it came out that of course if batman has a chance to prepare he's gonna win and um spoiler alert he has a chance to prepare i'm not saying who wins but batman has a chance to prepare um so i i like i like wonder woman by far the best of those uh, I think that was a big surprise to people who shouldn't be surprised, but apparently are all the time. But that was a really good movie, really good character, really good actor, um, really good story. You know, good, good. All you know, around. it was well done. You know, I think it was well done. Uh, it, it was a solid effort. It was good, but to me, it just it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't great for me. I, I, I don't know. It was a lot of origin tales. Even, you know, like the first Captain America wasn't great either. I mean, let's be honest. It it kind of looked the part. It had the feel. It, had, it, was, it, was, it was good, but, you know, a little something missing when you're talking about, like, a memorable film. How memorable That's is true. anything that happened in Wonder Woman, you know? Well, I'll, say the, uh, I'll, I'll answer that. The, the most memorable part to me is... And it's a little bit of a spoiler, just warning. When she comes out of that trench and and she charges the lines, that that I think is it's at the wrong point in the film to be the highlight. But I think that's the highlight of the film because I think that's when she really the movie becomes superhero movie. And I, I like that. Yeah, point. And I, I did like how they they kind of escalated her power level as she was going through a little. She was kind of discovering what she could do, really. Um, you know, uh, she seems surprised when she would like crunch her hands into stone at first, and then she's like throwing tanks and stuff, whatever. You know, so exactly. Yeah. So I think that was the very memorable point. I think that was a great point when she went across there because it was very much Wonder Woman. She's just going to do what she thinks is right, and uh, before that, uh, like you're saying, I don't think she really the character really knew what she could do. She so it turns out. Because uh, it's a superhero film that she can she can pull it off, 
but the uh, I think that was a good point and very memorable to me. And I, you know, it turns out it also turns out turns out I hate that phrase, but it turns out that, that was a very difficult uh, scene to get in the film. Apparently, uh, I don't understand why. Maybe I have no idea why, but uh, apparently the director had to fight for that scene, and that was a great scene. And she was totally right, and whoever was arguing against it was totally wrong. But that was uh, a good scene that, that was very memorable to me. I like it. Uh, the ending was a little CGI, which it's just a little too much CGI rather than personal, whatever. But that's still, it's a big summer blockbuster, so you got to expect that. But I think it was decently executed. And a lot of people, really, this is like their favorite superhero movie ever. And I get it, you know, you kind of wanted to see this film sometimes, you know, like, look, I'll readily admit I watch every single movie that hits the theaters if they show me one sword. If there's a sword or like a wizard in it, I'm there and I can go there knowing it's going to be bad. I want to see it. And, you know, that comes from uh, all those years when you were young, we just got fed really bad films. And uh, yes, science fiction <laughs> the same way. Just anything that had stars in it almost, uh, I'd go yeah. see, or not go see, but I would see, and especially see over and over again because it was the very little available. Yeah. I, um, I really think that, you know, uh, if you, you know, if, if you like something a lot then you you kind of like it a little more than you should and you're going to rank it a little higher uh i know one time i had an idea about doing kind of a movie rating site uh where there really weren't reviews yet people kind of ranked multiple attributes so that you could really you know like some people just like a fun movie though i think one it's one of marvel's secrets they keep their movies fun, even on darker subject matter, you know. And um, some people just like that, and they're going to rate it higher, whether it's actually a better film or not. I mean, you know. Uh, so I, it's it's a there's a lot of there's a lot of different things there that uh, come into play. And and so if you think Wonder Woman was the best movie ever, I get it. I do. You really wanted to see that. And they did a good job of giving you that. I think the only thing that was kind of weak for me was the framing, um, which I don't don't even dislike it. I just thought it was like, okay, I think they should have just dropped right into, right into the the beginning, rather than having the you know she's at the Louvre or whatever and whatever having the flashback. Uh, That that was the weakest part for me, which is not very weak. It's just a small thing. I'm not a big fan of framing usually. Anyway, I really liked it. I think it's a great movie, and I recommend everyone go see it or see it again. That's the, that's the cool thing that, that happened to me this week. That's pretty cool. But did you did you manage to discover ten new rocky Earth-like planets? You know, people who, who do that are extremely cool. They uh, are cool. And, and I did. You put that in our show notes, and I went and looked it up. And uh, not only did they get to discover. New, new, new exoplanets. Uh, I went to do some research, and apparently, there are currently, you know, here's some facts: two thousand three hundred and thirty-five confirmed exoplanets. So, how many planets are there? Nine 
eight. For our, for our listeners, what is an ex, what's an exoplanet? Oh, we know what a planet is. It's like Earth. Uh, it's a planet. A, a planet is something that's in the solar system. An exoplanet is a planet that's not in the solar system. It's exo. It's outside the. It's outside. It's a. It's a planet that's not in the solar system. Is basically what it is. So, number of planets outside the solar system confirmed: two thousand three hundred thirty-five. An interesting stat is that number of confirmed exoplanets less than Earth, less than twice Earth size. So, not not too big. And in the habitable zone of their sun, which I can explain for a second if you don't know what that is. It's only thirty, and they and they believe size has a lot to do with sustainability of life, right? Because, like I know with Jupiter, they credit Jupiter for protecting Earth, right? So there's I mean, there are lots of theories. We have an end of one, you know, we have a number of one Earth. So we don't have a lot of just a bunch of speculation. So there's no second planet with life that you can be like contra- compare and contrast with. But there's a lot of modeling and uh, computer modeling and other theories you can put in and sort of run it from beginning to end and see what happens. And, and so things like the moon and tides, maybe maybe it affects the ability of the life to evolve on it. Or uh, you know having a large planet that can sort of protect from asteroid uh, sort of comets and other things that come flying into the solar system. It can sort of suck them up, maybe. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not super up on the current theories of... Well, I know there's is, another but, thing. Another reason why they're probably looking at them not much larger than Earth has something to do with, um, I think, like the stress on the planets or something. I mean, I, I, well, there's really, gravity. There's, there's gravity effects and uh, you know density versus uh, the size. So there's. I think what the reason they do this though is just because they're just doing an order. It's like you know just. If you're going to find any planets that are less than twice Earth size and in the habitable zone, that's that's pretty good because maybe maybe Earth size, twice Earth size, not it's just arbitrary. Maybe this has nothing. But to you mean. know, but if you're going to narrow it down, you still get thirty planets. That's that's significant. Well, and like I said, I know one of those is like just a few light years away, like literally in our backyard. Uh, that was what was pretty interesting to me. Um, but you know, also I watched this show. Uh, have you ever watched uh, Aliens of the Deep? That James Cameron exploration film of the ocean. I'm gonna have to say no again. Apparently, I watch nothing. Apparently, I watch uh, nothing. You watch. Apparently, you should watch this show. You will like this show. James Cameron uh, assembles a crew uh, uh, with some kind of joint Russian scientist thing. He gets astrobiologists who study, you know, alien life that we can't even prove exists. You know, he gets marine biologists, all these guys together, and they they take these four experimental subs and they go down and they explore pretty much the most alien place on this planet which is you know the the vents that are coming out of the ocean floor uh, this is why they're so excited about europa and and, and uh enceladus because you know they have these things uh that that exist and they they we, we can get on our planet and go look hey they don't even have to have sunlight and you stop and think about what kepler's doing they're focusing on earth-like places well, there's an unimaginable number of places not like Earth, and yet we have 
evidence right here on our planet that of life forms that don't need a sun. They just need they need some kind of gravitational effect on a moon that makes that moon have some kind of geothermic activity and a little ice. You know? Yep. That's so that's it, how imminent the possibilities are out there. I I agree and some about what if um, why why haven't they taken over the galaxy, the universe? Uh, that's the the Fermi paradox. Uh, if life is so prevalent, on the other hand, you look at you looking around, you're going, well, it seems to be a lot of places that life can live, it can evolve and 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 take up niches and uh, and actually survive. So it seems to be pretty prevalent on Earth, especially. It seems to be getting into every little niche you can think of, uh, and if we can get it, find it on a on a moon or you know have, that existed on mars uh how do you square that circle Why? yeah i mean last week last week they uh they showed sharks living in vo- volcanoes you know it's like what's next hold on, hold on. dr evil sharks living in volcanoes yeah like okay so if you if you find this basically there are sharks living in thermal water they shouldn't be able to live in basically in, in underneath these volcanoes um, and it's pretty mind-boggling that they can live with all the toxicness and you know all the stuff that's there that's pretty cool. but um, yeah you know I mean like I said I mean you've got a volcano and sharks swimming around you're a laser and Dr. Evil away from the planet being destroyed right but, uh, that's a uh, that's kind of neat. It just shows you where and what can happen with life out there. It's, I think we. I think next week we should we should explore the what if of life, existence of intelligent life. Not because I'm a UFO nut or anything, but because I'm a UFO nut, and we can kind of uh, dig in. That be might that might be fun. We should have. We should have a whole episode on that, and we could just go back and argue, argue back and forth. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we have any listeners after that. Well, we often have know, any listeners now. A whole episode of it, but a good segment, right? Okay. Okay. Well, that's all I have. That's what's cool. Uh, that was pretty cool. And like I said, you were there, so cool stuff. So yeah. I guess I'll get into quickly doing. Uh, I'll do my phantasmal dot com. Let's let's. I'm gonna. So yeah, you can go run through it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to ask some questions about some of these. So uh, let's go with the first one. This uh, this Kickstarter they got funded. Okay. Well, um, so this basically this is phantasmal.com's week in imaginative realism uh you can follow me on facebook at uh facebook.com slash phantasmal art and what you're talking about is uh an artist i actually mentioned um uh recently on 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 another podcast that i was talking about would be great for alice in wonderland well guess what she has arrived uh irish competes Kickstarter funded in 48 minutes. And this was not a small number. It was like $16,000 in 48 minutes. This girl's an incredible artist, and she's even a more incredible person. And I think all that combined, she's like the perfect person to be talking about fairies. You should read her her emails and notes and things. Uh, it's, It's just 
adorable. There's no other word for it. Uh, it's just adorable. And, you know, she was 200% funded in under five hours. And I looked at it. Uh, what is it a Kickstarter for? Okay. So it's called Fairies of the Fault Lines. And it's it's an art book that explores this mythic little world of all the, the, the different kinds of fairies that are out there. Um, it actually has a forward uh, written by noted fairy artist uh, Brian Frow. And that is incredible in and of itself. Uh, I think she also has recently had some kind of show with him. And I think maybe they met. And so it was, it was just the perfect timing. It's kind of like that, that uh, tune up or dry run that you do before you do something where you get to, you know, maybe uh, know, get a better feel for things. I think her, having that set up probably was set up a long time but it came right before this kickstarter and look this lady she spent a week before kickstarter traveling through scotland taking pictures of every place a fairy might be and it was it was really cool to see so and and this is the thing she's not coming from a marketing perspective she is honest and truly dancing in the water with the fairies and uh you know, uh, that is why this thing has just been immensely successful. Uh, it's authentic, that's what you're saying, and it's, it, it's really cool. It is authentic. And, uh, you know, it, it was past 60000 when I looked. I mean, who gets who gets four times your total budget in, in two days? She's got 28 days left. I think she's going to average like 5 k a day. I hope she's ready for it. Uh, also, Iris, if you're listening, uh, last count was 404 sketches you have to do. I hope you, I hope you can, uh, you know, make a contract with someone at a crossroads to help you get those done. That's going to be very interesting. But uh, good luck, and uh, can't wait to get my copy. Okay, that's that's, um, that's cool. You have other questions, sir? Uh, that's that's really cool. I, I, you seem to imply that there's a chance she could be listening, which makes me extremely nervous. So I'm just going to move on to the next thing before I can well, think, about, think about that too much. I did speak to her after the Alice thing. I actually spoke with her and Annie uh, Steg Gerard, two of the four artists that I mentioned, uh, which I thought, which I found, you know, that obviously I'm a fanboy, so it was really fun for me that they would even take a few moments out and and say hey. Uh, but yeah, I spoke with her and, you know, I don't know, uh, she, she basically told me that, that Alice is actually a project she's been considering. And, uh, I think that just got moved back by a good six to eight months. What do you think? But, uh, <laughs> or if not longer, but, uh, that would be interesting if she did it because, uh, it's you know it's it's something that's been in the public domain so long. I think it's a great idea if she were to do it, um, and, and and it's it's just really uh, right up our alley. I think uh, we'll we'll see. She may sure. just be doing fairies the rest of her life. And it, it, it so much reaction and response to this, it's like the, every person in the fantasy art community just fell in love with that project and her and everyone's there uh i'm not gonna lie it brought a tear to me uh just just a little bit she posted uh a picture of her 
kind of crying as she was in shock watching everything. And, you know, it's just another kind of thing. It's, it's amazing. Uh, really. I think that's what every artist out there works for. Um, and she had that moment as a very special moment. Uh, so moving on really quick, uh, I wanted to kind of bring some attention. Also, there's a little there's a little place you can find on Facebook. It's called Recollect. It's kind of a cool little uh, reseller site. Uh, uh, you've got a kind of feminine art slant for the most. I'm not sure if that's intentional or if they're just you know. I don't think it's been going on very long, but I've recently picked up on it. They've got uh, pieces by uh, Jasmine Beckett Smith and you know Carla Sico and many others it's worth, definitely check them out on facebook um just just search for recollect you'll you'll get it okay that's um, interesting that and that what is what do they resell their art what kind of art I mean, yeah re- feminine art a, but what what is the it's a, it's a oil paintings acrylic paintings it's just paintings original paintings okay. from the various artists but uh you know, they certainly have a certain style they seem to be tapping into, but, uh, you know, that's everyone starts where they start, so maybe that's what they want to do, or maybe that's just where they're starting. But I keep my eye on them because really good prices, that's kind of their thing. They're kind of looking for people that um, want to move art, and it's not maybe trying to get the highest price. You know, uh, they want someone else that will love it to have it. Um so that's that's what I've gathered. That's their mission. Uh, so I'll be watching them closely as well. Uh, and I want to also, you know, I mentioned Annie Stake Gerard uh, in the Alice piece as well. And by the way, she has this she she has this one piece uh, that that is in this upcoming uh, Halcyon Garden show that she's doing, which is from June 24th to July 30th. It's a Haven Gallery in Northport, New York. Um, she's, I, I, I can't remember how many pieces, but I think it's like 12 pieces of original art done for this show. And she has been showing a few of them, bits and pieces. Um, today, uh, she put up a piece and it, uh, it had featured a very beautiful uh, girl in a garden and she had a dress that Walt Disney himself couldn't design. It was it was amazing. And uh, this one little crescent moon hanging out in the stars above her that draws all your attention. So, I mean, a magical artist, I uh, couldn't say enough. Uh, so check out that House Young Garden show uh, at Haven Gallery uh, between June 24th and July 30th. And finally, and this is, this is something I don't think, a, I think a lot of guys that are, into the art scene might be missing this so i wanted to talk in depth about it um heritage auctions has uh this animation art uh show uh that features tons and tons of disney stuff now disney in general is not something i would normally cover but fantasia is an exception fantasia is basically living fantasy art right and, you know, some of the older ones, Sleeping Beauty or whatever, they really, they really give you what give you what you want in a fantasy movie. So I, I decided I would take a closer look because I normally don't pay animation art much of, much any attention. Uh, it's not really I don't want the animation art sales. They're not really what I'm into. But what I discovered when I w- went into this one that there's tons of concept paintings 
that people might be missing. I know I almost did, so I just want to bring it to your attention. Uh, first, I'm going to run through these really quick because there's several. The main painting is Night on Bald Mountain. It's expected to go for around 50000 It was at 22000 when I was looking at these notes, uh, when I wrote these notes. Uh, they have a, a small concept paintings, Rite of Spring, which is like volcano concept art uh, that was only going for $80. And it's two concept pieces, you know, from Fantasia. They have some dinosaur pieces as well. This pastoral symphony, and then there was this uh, this Zeus combat concept painting, or that was, I mean, it's Zeus throwing like a lightning bolt. I mean, Fantasia, you 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 might be missing out if you're a fantasy art fan. Take a look at this stuff. Uh, there was one really cool piece, uh, and I was hoping it was low like the others, but then I took a quick look and I was like, uh, no, it's not. But it's a fan, it's a preliminary background done by Kay Nielsen that's uh, very haunting. It's black and white door stairs, and it was about $1,000. Uh, my favorite piece of the show is this Ride of the Valkyries. It's these stormy clouds and a couple of these uh, Valkyries coming out of the sky. Uh it was at 340. And you have Peter Pan, Jungle Books, No White, Concept Art. Uh, you had you have painted Alice in Wonderland illustrations of the Cheshire Cat. These are concepts for the cartoon, you know, Cheshire Cat, white, the White Rabbit's House, Alice, and even the Walrus, you know. Uh, and I see in the notes here that this is, is, is at ha.com, ha.com. Yeah. July. That's July. First of July. First and second. Right. And uh, so you you know take a look at it. It's it's really interesting, and I think a lot of these a lot of pieces are being kind of slept on. And you just bruise these, right? You you just like this is like yeah. You uh, go to you go to ha dot com, and then you find the name of the auction, the Dallas Animation Art Auction, basically. And it's got a picture of the demon from Fantasia. So you, but, but I mean, like you, Calvin, you're just you're like window shopping the stuff, right? You're like, this is awesome. Yeah. This is cool. This is this is amazing, uh, and and just sharing it because I, I might go, I might check this out. I, I, I don't know. This is uh, I want to see Ride of the Valkyries and see what that's about. That interests me. It, it, it's cool. Just check it out. They've got a piece by Tim Burton from the Black Cauldron. You know, Tim freaking Burton, you know, I mean, that's that's only three forty two at the moment. And, you know, that's that's pretty significant. So that's it for this week in uh, Magic Realism. Uh, But uh, I just thought I'd bring these things to mind. And uh, I think that brings us to our last thing. Right. That's right. And this is this is what I've been waiting for. This will save the whole episode. (laughs) <laughs> Drum roll. I have no idea how this is going to go, but this was your idea, so I blame you also. So if it, if it doesn't <laughs> if it doesn't save the show, I blame you. Uh, the uh, the creative jam session, which is nothing to do with music, we're going to. Well, we only have like five to ten minutes to do it in, so it's let's let's see where what road we go. <laughs> okay, so what 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 is this about? I mean, I have no idea what what we're doing here okay watch and behold as we collaborate and create something awesome that's what it's about all right here's did you know about me that i have to write stuff or it's completely pointless um no explain 
Perhaps, perhaps right. we can find a solution for you. I just when I'm, my, my, when I'm and I'm thinking creatively, whatever that means, or I'm thinking abstractly or whatever. I have to write. I have to like make make. So you're talking about your creative process? Yeah, I have to like put it on, not uh, not literally write on it like a sheet of paper like an animal. I mean like type into a computer, and so it appears on the screen somewhere, and then I can see it, and I can don't have to keep it in my head. Does that make sense? I don't know. It's it's there, but it's not actively right. positive positive front of the brain, and then I can go to the next step. But if I have to keep everything in my head. It, 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 it has to already exist in some way. I can't be creative. I don't know. Uh, not that I'm necessarily claiming to be super creative anyway. I'm just saying that that is a limitation on what, what little bit of creativity I can produce. It has to be like write it down uh, and then and look at it at the same time. But we could totally try to do this. All right. So what what is what is what is the subject? What is the uh, okay. Uh, like so, space or fantasy or oceans or uh, plants or what? Well, it could be anything. Uh, I like we, plants. I like plants. Plants in space. Plant, plants in space. Okay, so then you're going to kind of get into tapping into the marsh and right? Grow potatoes or something? Yeah, grow. Let's not grow potatoes, though. We're going to grow, grow people. Grow people in space. Yeah, you can hear me typing probably. Grow, you see, plants in space, grow people in space. Sounds kind of gross. Next thing, all right. Um, what else? What's the next thing? This is to throw grow people from plants. Okay, this is the what if, just randomly putting those together. Grow yeah. people from plants. Okay, so, so, okay. If you were going to create... What like a, a pod or something? Like, are we talk, are We going invasion of the body snatchers here? I like I like the word pod. All right, so pod like a pea pod, so multiple people at once. All right, so then you have uh, you're cloning people in pods. Okay, cloning, clone. So you, usually when I create something, I like to tap into things I know about, and I know very little about plants and very little bit about cloning. <laughs> oh. So at this point in time, I, I, I would take a look at what you were doing and try to find something that perhaps might aid this endeavor. So let's, let's focus on that. Let, let's, let's suppose someone smarter than us is growing humans in space using some kind of genetic police fused plant I don't, I don't know it's a, some pod technology uh, so how how could we uh, help help such an endeavor or build something for it huh uh, well we could uh, this this reminds me of something a, a book I recently finished called Seven Eves about growing people in space but we'll, we'll leave that for later all right. So how how are we gonna help her? How are we how do we help smart people grow other people in space and pods? Uh, we could send them up there, like you know, send send food, uh, send supplies, send uh, music, send art for no. for education. They have to be they have to be educated as they're grow, being grown in their pods, right? Uh, okay. Okay. We could uh, get some counter agent technology 
Look them up. Little, little uh, matrix activity. This is, kind like, of. this is more like a uh, concept for a story than uh, than actually making something. Well, but, but see, but you know what? That's the whole thing. This is a creative jam session. Perhaps we're not actually talking about creating something. Perhaps we're now now talking about a story. So so vague we can't fail because we're so because we're vague at the beginning. Uh, so yeah, tell a story. How do you tell a story about sending food uh, to people, sending supplies, sending music, sending art for education to the people? So that would that'd be helpful. Let's uh, throw some. Uh, let's throw some illegal activity in. Okay, this is so, this is your contribution. Illegal activity. There's illegal activity happening because of the pod cloning technology that was brought together by Peapod Corp. So, what is that? Uh, Elysium, that movie from Elysium, where they uh, had the 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 great um, utopia in space and everybody on the planet was having a, a really bad time um, with their their uh, hard lives um, I don't know well obviously I mean, I, I if you say. could if if you if if they if this technology existed and they were able to you know grow people in space then you could actually start thinking about world ships right mm-hmm. you know uh, all right so let's give a purpose the, why are they why are they building growing these people in space it's because it's easier than growing on the earth and shipping them up there right so, well you know there's a lot of research on sex in space and how you know things might not work the way we want it to work you know like I think gravity might even have something to do with some of this uh, procreation we're doing here. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna let that go. <laughs> I don't know of any research done on any of that. Um, <laughs> I haven't been going to those websites. Oh, well, luckily for you, <laughs> we're, we're nearing the end of the show, and we can think on this a little, maybe. Uh, <laughs> come back because uh, we definitely went down a couple paths there uh, illegal uh, illegal contraband being smuggled onto world ships that's revol- you know, revolving around the peapod cloning I don't know that that doesn't sound like a lot of hope for that but maybe next week it's my fault <laughs> I went off on the, on the space thing which of course I went off on the space thing uh, uh, the plant threw me more than the space thing. Be... <laughs> but, okay. but we wouldn't have had this moment if we hadn't tried, if we hadn't taken our fear back and said, hey, let's make fools of ourselves. What if, <laughs> what if we hadn't done that? We would be better off. No, but we did. I guess we'll have to leave it in, we'll have to leave it in the show. Yeah. So just two peas in the pod, me and you, right?